Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Good morning, and again, welcome to Glory Church Online. Uh, Whether you are watching right now with us on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in Glory Church groups all throughout the city or world, or you're listening in outside of a Sunday morning experience, I am so honored that you would join us. Uh, For those of you who are new, my name is Greg McKinney, and my wife and I are the lead pastors here at Glory Church, and I am thankful, even though we can't be together physically, that uh, you are still uh, inviting us as a church into your home, that this is, uh, you're spending time worshiping with us, learning with us, so thank you. Uh, As you've heard already, we are in deep over the study of the book of Philippians, and this morning is week six, and it has been an amazing past few weeks. Please know, though, if you are hopping in for the first time, you do not need to know anything about the past five weeks of this study to sit with us and learn this morning. Though if you would like to listen in and learn from last, uh, the last few weeks, you can do so anytime on our website or search Apple Podcasts for Glory Podcast. And we'd love for you to, to track with us in that way. It's, it's, it's for you to, to, to learn at your own time, so thank you. Um, this morning we are diving into the end of chapter 3, the last half. Uh, last week we, we tackled the first half, and this week we are ending with the last one. But this week also, uh, as a family, is, is a pretty excited one. Uh, exciting one. My wife and I are celebrating on Tuesday eight years of marriage. We have been married for eight years. And uh, so if you can remember us on Tuesday, go ahead and, and send my wife, Kate. She's pretty amazing. A uh, you are awesome text because she has had to deal with me for the past eight years. Uh, I don't know if you're married, but the first uh, one to two years of marriage uh, have some hard seasons attached for it, especially in our experience. So we got married really young, um, which was really great, and I, I've loved it. But seven months into our marriage, if you know our family, uh, we found out we were pregnant with twins. And then obviously eight months after that, we brought home two infants, and our family unit doubled from two to four. And Life was difficult. You don't realize all the negative that you bring into something new, like a marriage. You don't realize all the old habits or the the negative issues or all the things that you thought you dealt with that were undealt with. And then they start popping up in your marriage and your relationships. Uh, I I thought things were forgiven. I thought things were forgotten. And then they they created issues and and hardships. And and from a counseling point of view, that whole thing, all of those differences and hardships are are founded in the the phrase family of origin. A lot of them have a connection to our family of origin. Have you ever heard that? Are you familiar with that term? It it takes into account your home. Your family of origin is is all the the issues that that happened in your home, all the, the pain that was experienced in your home, all the rules that that were, were used or rules that were expected or rules that were spoken or rules that were overlooked or the ones that were unspoken. Our family of origin creates a whole lot. Some of us have a, a hard time with authority because of our family of origin. Their definition of love or success or self-worth or uh, the value of man or, or women were, were taught to us at a young age from our family of origin. And now years later, 
I love sitting with, uh, with couples in premarital counseling to talk through it because we bring into our new family issues from our old family that creates issues in our new family, right? I mean, we bring with us so much baggage and if not dealt with, if not seen, uh, it creates so much issues. And that's for me as a pastor and that's for you as well, where you are. And this is, a, this is an idea we're diving into this morning in uh, the last half of chapter three. It's an idea that, that, that Paul's pressing in on. So if you are taking notes, uh, I want you to, to remember this, that there is a heritage behind behind us that must be dealt with as we strain ahead to the heritage that is before us. I'll say that again. There's a heritage behind us, a literal way of living, a set of patterns, a set of beliefs, a a whole belief system, a loyalty to certain preferences or styles or thoughts or people. There is a whole set of privileges or advantages or pain and trauma. There is a heritage of pain and trauma, addiction behind us that can be brought into our current heritage and it must be dealt with if we are to strive ahead to the heritage that is before us. That in fact, where you are right now, if you are a believer, that you have been ushered in, as scripture says, into a new kingdom. You've been brought from a kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of light. You are, as Peter says, a part of a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special treasure. And in that new heritage, there is a whole nother set of traditions. That, that there is now a whole new set of what it means to be loyal, a whole new set of perceptions, a whole new set of beliefs, and they are real and true, and they supersede our past. They, they supersede our past, that, that in this new family, there's a whole new set of, of worth and value, and their perceptions are different. The ideas are different, the beliefs are different, and there is a level of understanding of these differences from our old heritage to the heritage of faith that we now have, that we must understand and grow in and work through if we are to strain ahead in faith and in growth. And if you remember that from last week's passage, if not, I'll, if you weren't with us, I'll, I'll remind you, Paul, um, he says, I have taken all that I have been, all the gains that I've had, everything that I've once viewed as a prophet, all the achievements, and I consider them as a loss for the sake of just knowing Jesus. You remember that from last week? Just Jesus. I want to know Christ. I want to know his suffering. I want to connect all of who I am to him. And in this section that's about to come, you are going to see that he is he wants to align himself with a heritage of faith. He wants to align himself with a heritage of faith. So we're going to open up to chapter 3 and start at verse 12, which is where we ended last week. Paul says this, It's not that I've already obtained all of this or that I already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. I forget what is behind And I strain toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then 
who are mature should take such a view of things. In other words, if you are mature, then you should believe you have not yet obtained this. You want to know Christ, that's the goal, but you're not yet there. You, you have some forgetting to do and you have some straining to do. You should forget what is behind and strain ahead. And he says, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make it clear to you. Only let God, or only let us live up to what we have already attained. So join together, he says, in following my example. Brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many in this world live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny, the path before them is destruction. The heritage before them is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship, our heritage, our family is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring all things under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body." Paul says, I live now as a citizen of heaven, so therefore I forget all that is behind me and I strain ahead toward what is before me, toward the goal to win the prize that I've already been called to win. If you've heard any message, any sermon over this section of Philippians, then you've probably heard that Paul is sympathizing right now with a Philippian reader, with a reader from Philippi who is very familiar, very familiar with the Greek games. This idea of a literal runner who is putting on persistence and endurance and with excitement and energy, he is striving to win the goal of that race. Paul is painting this imagery of someone who is forgetting what is behind as he takes each and every step to win the goal, that prize in the Greek game. And so his readers would have connected and traveled with him on this. But I will tell you, it is very interesting. Our modern church, uh, we have come to love this verse, the forgetting what is behind and straining ahead. I cannot tell you how many times I have heard good and well-meaning people give the advice of you just forget. You got to forget all of that. Just, just put it away. Don't think of that. You just got to, there's good things in front of you. Put your head down and focus on what you have, what is in front of you. God has a good plan for you. So just forget that. Don't think about it anymore. There is something good in front. But as we do that, I hear me when I say as we do that, we are actually taking this verse, this truth out of the context of what Paul is actually saying. He's not telling you to just put your head down and strain ahead. He's actually talking about very specific things that he's forgetting and how he's choosing to forget it as he looks ahead. And so when we look into this, we, are, we have to realize that there's this depth of understanding. Because where we came from, if you remember, Paul is saying, I, I was once a Pharisee. And in regard to the Pharisee, uh, in regard to being a Pharisee, I was faultless. In regard to zeal, I persecuted the church. I, I, I cleansed the church of evildoers. In regard to, to the law I was, and righteousness, I was faultless. 
He's talking about all these achievements. But he says, in, in light of all of those things, those are nothing. I, I choose to forget them all as I strain ahead. In modeling forgetfulness, he is, he's forgetting his achievements. They are like gold medals on his neck that as he runs, all they're doing is distracting him. Have you ever tried to run with a heavy necklace? Like, it wouldn't make any sense. They are heavy metals distracting him. And so as he's straining ahead, he's going to put those aside. He's forgetting the achievements of his past. Because those medals, those goals, those wins, they have nothing to do with the goal set before him. In fact, they, they're not even on the same playing field. So he will not be weighed down by them. So he's forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. But as he models forgetfulness in a good way, in a godly way, it stretches beyond our achievements. In fact, that whole section where he's talking about who he is and, and uh, what he once valued, he, he's talking about more than just achievements. If you remember, he says, I was a, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I am of the tribe of Benjamin. In other words, it's, it's not an achievement to be of the people of Israel. It is a, his heritage. Write that word again, his heritage. Paul was a Jewish man. His parents were Jews. Unlike other Judaizers of the day, like he could trace both of his parents' lineage to Father Abraham, which gave him prestige and honor and power in the Jewish faith, in the Jewish culture. Not only that, he was a Benjamite. The first uh, people who, who were kings of Israel were, were from the tribe of Benjamin. The Benjamin uh, tribe was a tribe of honor and dignity, and you could use that for your, uh, for your, your prestige and for your pleasure in the Jewish culture. Being a tri of the tribe of Benjamin was a great honor. It was a heritage trait. He, Hebrew was his native tongue. Uh, his traditions were pure. He thought like a Jew. He reasoned like a Jew. He treated outsiders like Jews. And he treated women in his culture like a Jewish man would. This was a, traits of his heritage. These were pieces of who it was and what it was to be a Jew. But as he's stepping into this new heritage, as he's walking on to this new track to run, this new race to run, he knows that, that it, he is no longer going to take with him those old things. This new citizenship demanded a new perspective, so he's going to forget his heritage as he strives and strains toward ahead. In other words, in straining ahead, he's going to no longer view Greeks as pagans, as second-class citizens. In fact, Paul teaches over and over and over a gospel that is open to all, a gospel that is spoken and open to all. That is against the heritage that is behind him. In straining ahead, he was going to teach at street corners, not just in high-class temples. And in straining ahead, he wasn't going to take advantage of his high prestige in dealing and treating with others and in straining ahead. He would not treat women like a Jewish man and high-class Jewish man would. In fact, we know 
that the church at Philippi, Paul constantly will give honor and recognition to a woman named Lydia, who was a, was a wealthy woman who was a leader in this church, and he is honoring her. That's not a trait of a Jewish man. That's a trait of a believer, of a Christian, of someone who is in the heritage of faith, the kingdom of God. So he would say, no, I'm forgetting those old ways, and I'm straining ahead. Church, I say all of this because there are some harmful pieces of our worldly heritage that we have carried into our faith heritage. There are some harmful pieces of what is behind us that we have brought into what is now before us. And these things are, are harmful. There are wounds that are wounding others because we get this definition of forget what is behind wrong. Because forgetting, it deals with a lot more than we think. It's harder to work through than we think. Forgetfulness is difficult. If you're taking notes, write this down. That there are, and hear me when I say this, there are unhealed wounds and untrue views from your past, from my past, that are more present than God's current grace. That often we, we are blinded from his present grace because we still have unhealed wounds and untrue views from our past that are present. So though we say we've forgotten it, we are still carrying these views, these wounds. In fact, you cannot forget uh, that which you're still wounded by, right? You cannot forget that which you still wound with. You cannot forget that which you still claim as correct when it is completely against the, the, the realm of faith, uh, the, the truth of Jesus. You cannot forget that which you have not called out as wrong. You cannot forget that which has not been cleansed by forgiveness or dare I say even self-forgiveness, you cannot forget that which has been shoved back into the far corners of your mind, your heart, your soul. You can't. And that's why Paul as a man, I love Paul. In his writing, he is constantly vulnerable, showcasing who he is, the raw self, because he knows that I cannot forget that which I uh, still am wounded by. So I was a Hebrew, uh, and I took advantage of that. I, I persecuted the church. I, I did all of these things. I literally thought I was better than everyone one around me because that was a part of my tradition, my heritage, my lineage. That was a part of my achievements, but those are nothing in comparison to the gain, the growth, the win that I have in Jesus. So I'm forgetting them. I'm blocking them out. I, I'm choosing to move behind them. I'm, 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 I have healed those wounds. Over the past few weeks, uh, Kate and I have actually uh, purchased and, and sort of reading a book uh, together. It's called uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by a man named uh, uh, Peter Cesaro. You're probably going to hear me talk about that a lot over the next few weeks, months. Uh, it is something that I needed. Uh, you do not realize, we do not realize in our Christian faith how emotionally unhealthy our spirituality is. That though we, we tack on disciplines and actions, many of us are still emotionally unhealthy when it comes to our faith, our belief, our trust in Jesus. And so it's been powerful. I hope to, uh, to have a discipleship class focused on this. So keep your ears peeled for that. Um, 
But many of us, though we're 10 years old in our faith, 15, 30, some of you 40, we're still tackling, carrying on baggage from our past heritage that is prohibiting us from running with grace, with strength, with, with power. I remember uh, one of the quotes at the very beginning, one of the things that he said is uh, he, he remembered one day, he realized one day that though he had been uh, a believer in Jesus for 22 years, he, he recognized and realized that it was actually like he was a one-year-old believer 22 times. That though he latched on knowledge and uh, actions and service and disciplines, there were pieces of his emotional state and in, in his faith in who God the Father is and his understanding of who he is that were so young. It was like he was a one-year-old 22 times, and it just, that's powerful. Each of us have pieces of our heritage that have limited our growth in this heritage because we've carried them with us. We think this is how life is, or we say this is how it will be. And, and we, we struggle because it has affected our faith now. Things like your past abuse, the way that you were treated as a child, the betrayal that you experienced, the neglect you received in home, the way that, that you watched as your father abused your mother, the way that you watched your parents' divorce play out, the way that you saw your, your mom uh, handle your siblings and yourself, the, the way that you, you visibly saw your family of origin handle anger or, or self-worth or how they handled success or the way that they handled outside relationships that was very formative to you and, and pieces of that heritage have been brought into this new thing, this new life with Christ, that your heritage, your lineage has given you certain qualities that are not congruent with the kingdom of God, that we are quick then to wound by those wounds, that we wound others by the wounds that we have and all of us carry these errors of our heritage, and we will continue to until we forget, or a better way to say that is not just forget, but until we own, see, and seek healing of that heritage. Do you want to do some hard work this week? Sit down, pull out a journal, and start writing out some things that you've brought into this faith that maybe are more congruent with your family than they are the family of God, that maybe they're more congruent with the way you've seen women act in the past than the way that God's women act now, or maybe it's the way that you've seen man act, and now you think, as a godly man, I need to add that in here because that's what I've seen. But there is a whole new heritage at play in the kingdom of God, and it requires truly forgetting. But true forgetfulness requires vulnerability. It requires humility. It requires reflection and, and honesty. It requires community. It requires you to sit down and say, I claim this is not me. And it's not going to be a part of me as I take a step forward. Or it requires forgiveness. God cleanse this. It requires self-forgiveness. I cannot imagine how many times Paul had to practice the discipline of self-forgiveness as he recalled who he once was, the murderer, that, that persecutor of the church. He had to practice self-forgiveness as he strained ahead, step by step, in who he was in Jesus. He was a very different man, but there were steps of healing that he had to take as well. 
And this makes complete sense in an athletic sense, right? It makes complete sense. A runner knows that wounds must be healed if they are going to run at 100%, right? A runner knows that wounds have to be healed. I personally, I love running. I started running when my mom, uh, mother's breast cancer accelerated and running became this like way of getting away, uh, recentering and reconnecting. And I've kept that discipline going throughout most of my adult life. I love running, but throughout my time of running, I've had injuries, right? You've you've been injured if you've played any sports at all, and you know that a sprained ankle or a a calf muscle that has been pulled, it feels painful even a week later, that though it's past, it's behind you, you cannot run at full speed until that thing is healed, and it takes time, that though it might have been behind you, the wound is very present still. And that takes, uh, it, it takes into account of how fast you can run, how good you can run, how powerful you can run. Uh, no matter how um, strong you think you are mentally, that sprained ankle or uh, pulled calf muscle, it's going to mess with your straining ahead. It's going to mess with the race. The healing process, I mean, think about it. It takes time. It takes growth. I remember all the time that, that I uh, strained a calf muscle. You, it takes icing. It, it takes the work of, of working through guilt and frustration and anger. It takes you, you to sit down and ask for help. It takes extra time and stretching. You have to do things that you wouldn't have done before just to make sure it's healed. You have to take things slower. But I just do not apply that in my faith very often. There are pieces of our life that are wounded that that we have not done the due diligence of just taking time, of icing it, of seeking help, of stretching, of taking it slower so that those things are healed, not neglected, not not pushed aside, not, not pressed through, but just healed so that we can strain ahead. Because straining ahead still involves healing. Healing is a, a process of moving forward. And if you want to move forward, it's going to, uh, it's going to require the healing, right? You can't forget that, that sprained ankle until it's healed. You can't. Early on in our marriage, um, those first two years that I said you, that, that were really hard, those hard seasons, I was actually uh, at that same time training, uh, disciplining myself to, to run a half marathon. And I can vividly remember a day um, when, when as I was running and striving, uh, I really hurt my knee. I have a bad knee still to this day because of that season of, of training for the half marathon. But I can remember uh, connecting it and, and being angry and feeling guilty and worthless because it was just another thing. Another thing that I did that, that caused issues. It was another thing, another issue that was my fault. And at that, that time in my marriage, I just felt like everything was my fault. Things that I did or I brought into our marriage. And this was just another thing. But during that time, I, I healed it and I, I did those stretches. And I remember one specific time running. I was supposed to run an eight-mile stretch. It was that day, that time. And um, so I was going to run it. I had, hopefully in my mind, I had healed enough of my knee so I could do it. And I remember Kate telling me, as she always does, just enjoy it. Uh, don't push yourself too hard. Just enjoy it. 
And so I start, right? I start at the eight miles, put my headphones in, and I remember five minutes into it, and I was already exhausted. My knee was already hurting. My side was hurting. Those of you who know running and your side hurts, and you're like, I'm just out. I'm done. And I remember getting so frustrated, right? Because as you strain ahead and you feel the weight of your wound, you start allowing mind games to travel you and spiral you down. And I just remember thinking, this is another thing that I'm just losing in. Uh, I cannot get control of this. This is so frustrating and bad. I'm worthless. This run is worthless. I'm never going to get good at this. I'm never going to get healed. And it's very interesting. I wonder how many of your wounds you try to deny and push through. And in that doing, in that straining, your mind is spiraling down in more lies, in more self-deprecation, all because you're denying the wound. You think that forgetting is just denying instead of allowing forgetting to be through healing, vulnerability, honesty, community, reflection. And that, that is how you forget. And I just remember being in that moment and so frustrated about my knee. And, and no joke, I'm not a weirdo, I promise, but I felt this hush from the Holy Spirit. And God has always often spoken the most through a run to me, that discipline of just getting out. And I remember him just speaking. And like never before, I felt him, him just ask me or challenge me, and it's even weird wording this, him challenging me to just put on worship music in my headphones and run at that pace. I kept trying to push myself. I thought I had to walk, and I was just like, I'm going to have to quit. And I just felt him, him just nudge me to say, put on some worship music and listen to the beat. Go that pace. Don't think about anything else. Just go the pace. And I will tell you, if you've ever listened to worship songs and tried to run to them, the pace of them is slow. I felt like I was going nowhere, but I was doing it because I just, I felt so strongly that he was asking me to. Well, at the end of it, I did what I thought I wouldn't be able to. I finished all eight miles And when I looked at the time, guys, I remember vividly this story. It was such a milestone in my faith because I looked at the time and I had, by a long shot, did this eight miles faster than I had ever before. And it was as if God spoke instantly into that moment, way beyond anything running-wise. But he spoke into all facets of my life, just saying, Greg, go at my pace. You feel like you're worthless. You feel like you've created all these issues. You're starting to realize all these wounds of your present that are more present than you thought. Go at my pace. Stop thinking you have to press through them. Stop thinking you have to deny them. Just go at my pace. It may feel slow. It may feel messy. It may feel hotter because you don't, you're not going faster in your mind, but you are getting somewhere because you're listening right to my words. You're listening to my truth. You're focusing on the beat of my kingdom. And this is that one piece spoke to every life, the struggle that I was facing. It spoke into my marriage. It spoke into my, my personal issues and struggles and thoughts. And I will tell you right now, there are some wounds and you try to forget them and push through it, but the heritage behind you has inevitably put baggage onto your now. And the only way we can forget is through healing. So I'm going to challenge you, go the pace. 
Just because you think of a marathon runner who's going to receive that prize as running, you have to also remember they go the pace that they know will allow their body to make that end goal. They pace themselves. And for some of you right now, you need to slow down and realize that God has some truths being spoken right now that you need to listen to. Like him telling me to put in my music, there are some words that you need to fill your mind with versus the lies from your past. There are some new truths that need to set in. That You need to go slower. You maybe need to ask for help. You maybe need to, to put yourself in a discipline behind where you normally would. Also, that things could be healed so that you would stop wounding people by your wounds and so that we as a church would be a place of healing. And as Paul says at the end, our God we, who we wait on will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. He's transforming you. So where you are right now, I challenge you. What would it be like to have an honest look at your soul yourself, your life, and just say, what unhealed wounds have I been carrying? That I've been wounding other people because of what are some untrue views that need to be dealt with? Maybe you could talk through it in a small group. Maybe you need to call up someone and talk through it. Maybe you need to spend time in reflection and journal it out. I will tell you, these groundworking truths will do nothing in your faith unless you do the groundwork of working through them. This whole message will mean nothing if you do not sit down and say, honestly, what are they? What is the past pain, past uh, heritage that, that I have tried to mend and mold into this new one? And God, will you give me strength to forget it? So as we end, let's, let's just pray together. God, I believe right now you have called us to be a church that, is, that puts behind secondary Values that puts behind our heritage of the past and not in a way where we neglect it, but in a way where we choose to say that my, my, my value, my, my lineage, my heritage as being a son of the living God is of more importance. It supersedes everything else. So I will see all people as God does, not as my heritage speaks. I will see value and, and success. I will see love. I will view worth in a way of the kingdom of God not in the way dictated by my family of origin, not in a way dictated by my past achievements. No, in a way that you speak it. So God, give us the maturity to claim that we're not yet there. Give us the maturity to own our wounds, the painful knee that, that has caused us to limp in our faith so often. Instead of pressing through it, can we choose to forget it by finding healing, by finding forgiveness, by, by practicing self-forgiveness, that we may run this race to achieve the prize you've already called us to achieve, to achieve. To take hold of that that you have already called us, you've already given us, the newness that you've already claimed over us, that we may be a church of people set apart for your glory. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.